What's going on, folks? Thanks for hitting that download button and checking out a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, your one-stop shop for toys, tech, and talk with some assembly required. I'm your host, Rich, and if this is your first time checking out an episode, first of all, welcome. Second, a bit about what we do here. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and just awesome folks that are on our radar and discuss the gadgets, the gear, and the tech that they use to run their business create content, and more importantly, be more productive. Now, when it comes to the toys aspect of this podcast, we don't just relegate it to action figures and the usual things you think of when you think of toys. We like to look at toys in a more general sense. Things like someone's knife collection, or their guitar picks that they picked up over the years, or maybe they're into appliances, jet skis. Everyone's definition of toys is very, very different. And we like to embrace that here, number one, because it allows us to get to know our guests a little bit more intimately and learn more about the things that make them tick and the stuff that they're into. And of course, it helps to break up a lot of that business and entrepreneurship talk, which is a big part of this podcast. Now, with that intro out of the way, let's get into some housekeeping. So I first of all wanted to thank everyone who has reached out regarding our conversation with John Hill a.k.a. John Small Mountain. Uh, The numbers are outstanding. I was blown away by the amount of amazing and positive feedback that we received for that episode. I'm actually very excited because we're going to continue the Underdog series with this week's guest, which I'm going to let the interview do the talking for that guest because it was a tremendous conversation that not only just gave a lot of insight into something that I'd never heard of, a career path I've never been familiar with, but more importantly, it also made me question some of the things that made me tick as an individual and as an entrepreneur. And I think that that aspect of the conversation was just something that I truly, truly appreciated. And you're going to be seeing more and more of the underdog community in future episodes Uh, Massive thanks to Noah Kagan for creating that group and really just bringing all these different creatives together. There's been some amazing people that I've come across in that community that have really, really just helped me level up different aspects of my game, whether it's personally, professionally, or in the case with this week's guest, just mentally. So, um, Incredibly grateful and really excited to share more of the underdog community stories in the coming weeks and months. I'm also working on an episode regarding a networking group. I met a local networking group that really approaches networking in a, in a little bit of an unconventional way. It's not the usual sit around and exchange business cards and and cold emails and just really, really impersonal aspects of networking. This particular group, um, they were put on my radar by uh, Coach Danny, who, of course, has been a guest on this podcast. And man, I attended one of their first events. Well, one, I attended my first event, not theirs. They've been doing quite a few of them. And just an incredibly welcoming and inviting community who are, again, just looking to level up their business, level up uh, different aspects of their career, and more importantly, just looking to pay it forward and help out others that are on their own entrepreneurial journeys. And I thought that that was just 
uh, tremendous. And I'm going to probably record a, a separate edit episode dedicated to that just because I think that that the group and the work that they're doing needs to be showcased. Plus, I want to paint networking in a different light versus what people expect. Uh, massive, massive shout out to Alexis A. McCoy from Slang For Me, which is a new podcast on the RageWorks Podcast Network. Um, Alexis may be familiar to many of you as she was the co-host of Call Me When It's Over alongside Josie's Boy. Uh, Josie's Boy has gone on to start his company Painted in Blue, and they are just killing it with amazing handcrafted leather goods. So definitely check out Tony's work, uh, Josie's Boy, at uh, Painted in Blue. And of course, links for Painted in Blue will be uh, in the show notes for this episode, just to uh, get you folks familiar with the work that Josie's Boy is doing over there. And of course, Alexis podcast slang for me is on episode three and the third episode actually was about networking. So by all means, uh, if you enjoy the sweet sounds of Alexis, a McCoy and appreciated her work on call me when it's over, show her some love, check out slang for me on the RageWorks podcast network and wherever you consume podcasts. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the housekeeping for this week's episode. I wanted to really, um, keep it a little brief to, allow you folks to enjoy my conversation with this week's guest with that said let me shut my trap turn it over to the guest and share the toys and tech of their trade we continue our brand new underdog showcase series with uh, flow coach and owner of the heartbeat hive anna fitzgerald anna came to me highly recommended by dan bennett from the underdogs community and after reading her impressive resume, I am truly, truly excited to share the toys and tech of her trade as well as her story. Anna, what's going on? Hey, what's up? Glad to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to uh, break down your amazing, amazing journey because there's so many different layers to it. There's a lot of stuff we covered uh, before the start of the recording and then just again, doing a little digging and I was just like, man, there's, there's so many avenues we can go through, but let's, let's start with the basics with your origin story and, uh, talk about how you got started in your current career path and what drove you to start there. Okay. So I, I love that you use the word layers because I really think that people have so many layers and we can adapt and evolve as we grow in life and appreciate the old layers, but also welcome the new ones. And I see my career like that. Um, I've worked in a lot of different jobs. And um, it took me a while to really land where I am as a flow coach. And I'm really happy with that journey. Um, sometimes when you're going through it, it can seem like, what am I doing? Why is my resume look like it has ADD? Like, you know, you can get caught up in that. Um, but really you need to come back internally and define what you want from life. And so my story as a flow coach, I, I bring over 20 years of experience in arts, nonprofit management, uh, music industry, as a performer, as an art educator, um, you know, a lot of the arts interwoven throughout my life in very um, amazing ways. 
But really, um, my story of becoming a flow coach um, was about my own um, brain, actually. (laughs) Um, In 2019, I experienced the greatest losses of my life. Um, I lost my stepfather, and then I lost my father very suddenly in a plane crash. And yes, it was the biggest heart heartache and heartbreak I've ever experienced. But um, both my parents were in the military, um, career military people, and they really taught me about grit and perseverance. And so I'm fortunate to have had that mindset growing up that they always told me, you know, you can do whatever you want, but be prepared for either the result or the effect or the consequences. And so when that happened, when I experienced that great loss, um, I knew that I had to go on, right? Life, life has to continue on. But I started asking myself, what does that life look like day to day? What does it look like in the big picture? And how can I really incorporate all of me? So <clears throat> when I say all of me, and my approach as a coach is to not ignore the body. And I really have a lot of respect for a lot of coaches, including mindset coaches, but there are aspects of our body and our nervous system that can affect our thinking um, and even our speech. Um, and I can go into that later, but I was on this journey of like, Oh man, like this really stinks. <laughs> um, this is, this is the worst. And then we went into COVID lockdown and I was like, okay, now I'm going to grieve in total isolation. Oh, this is crazy. Yeah. No family around, no, you know, significant other, not really a ton of friends where I am um, or, you know, close friends. Right. And so I was like, all right, this is up to me. <laughs> I can do this. It's going to be a roller coaster, but I can do this. So in flow science, you really get into what happens in your brain when you lose track of time and you're completely engrossed in what you're doing. And I think a lot of your listeners, they know what that feels like. It could be getting lost in the game, in a sport in painting, playing music, playing with your kids, whatever that is, time passes differently. So um, I wanted to understand time better <laughs> because I was just faced with such a monumental, you know, obstacle of knowing that time is different for everyone, but also our timelines um, things can happen and we can really, really um, forget that, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're all going to pass on someday. So, no, I, I, not to not to cut you off. I apologize. I um, I kind of wanted to unpack that a little further because sure. I think that especially over the last 24 months for, for most people, there was something you mentioned about just really reflecting internally and dealing with these different coping mechanisms that come to the surface, especially during periods of isolation. 
And in your case, you're dealing with these, these compounded traumatic events in an isolated fashion. And I kind of want to dig into that a little deeper because we reach a point, especially in, in our businesses and in our interests where we kind of lean into that heavier to, to kind of mask dealing with what's going on in our, in our orbit. And in your case, I wanted to ask if, if that was something that occurred for you in the midst of all this, because as somebody who has such a, and again, it's, uh, people are going to hear this term a lot, uh, such a layered career. There's, there's many aspects of it where sometimes you lean into it and it does more harm than good. Did you run into that during, during this part of, of, of the, uh, well, let me, let me rephrase that during this aspect of the pandemic and the kind of just compounding losses, did that kind of become a thing where you leaned more into your work to kind of mask what you had going on? No, I did the opposite. Really? <laughs> I, yes, I charged right into me. And the reason I really leaned into my uh, confidence, my inner knowing, my truth, if you will, um, is because if I am not living what I teach as a coach, then I'm failing. So all those techniques I taught people in mindset work for years, and then in flow science, I had to apply big time. Um, so I was a mindset coach at the time. And after these losses, I was like, oh, okay. So let's use yourself as an experiment for understanding flow science and how to integrate it into your life and therefore your business, your productivity, your overall well-being and happiness. So yeah, I'm I'm sort of a rebel. <laughs> I don't know if if um one of your previous guests um had talked about that, but Dan Bennett, I'm sort of he's known as the antipreneur. I'm that's why we get along. I'm very much a rebel <laughs> when it comes to what everyone else is doing. And you had mentioned masking. Yes, there's a ton of masking. And I would even say using your business as an escape mechanism for what's going on. And I'm the opposite. I will charge right toward what's going on. I will use to use your word unpack it. And I will look at what is the root cause of my behaviors, my actions, my beliefs, and I will begin to transform them. And that's where that mindset work as a coach really is helpful. But in my work now, I'm combining that with the body and very simple biometrics. So um, I'm really glad that you asked that because I think it is a subject that kind of overlooked or maybe put to the side in people thinking, oh, do I need to get a health coach? Do I need <laughs> to work out six days a week? Yep. I'm saying maybe, <laughs> but you have to know what's best for you. And to expand on what you said, um, the reason I lean to flow science and getting myself centered and really solid was because I know that is a sustainable path. And that's really a pillar of my I um, encourage people to really think about what is sustainable for you and then ask that question in your business. So if posting every single day in five places, whether you have a schedule or not, doesn't feel sustainable for you. You need to figure out why or lessen or eliminate that. Okay. So taking, taking that and, and a, a lot of what you've, you've already shared with us, I want to just, 
um, simplify for, for the uninitiated, uh, what exactly is the role of a flow coach? Because I've heard, I've heard the term before in, in different facets and it's usually tied into, uh, the wellness space or the physical fitness space, but it's always, you know, physical, uh, physical uh, trainer and flow coach or, uh, mobility coach and flow coach. So I want to kind of separate it and just share exactly what the role of a flow coach is to the layman. Because again, to a lot of people, they're, they've heard various coaches or mentors, but to see it in such a perfect, um, perfect representation, especially because you're using it and that you're using those tenets of that for yourself. I want to kind of break that down for, for the average listener. Sure. That's a great question. Um, thank you for <laughs> let's lay the groundwork here. So Mihai Csikszentmihalyi is known as the godfather of flow. He, he recently passed, um, but he was a psychologist and he started out studying flow to understand how people sustain great meaning and satisfaction and therefore happiness in life. He didn't actually start out looking for, oh, how do people get focused? And flow, if you think about what it feels like to say the word and what you might apply it to, even if you don't know flow science, it feels like something that's coherent, harmonized with more ease, you know, something fits together. And that's how on a basic level, I think flow. So the science part is really interesting. But to me, the big picture is really about harmony and unity. So if you're thinking about flow in your own life, your own timeline, and you think to yourself, I really want to be able to manage my energy, to go about my life knowing that I can face any obstacle without a ton of, let's say, resistance and the negative cycle of that's going to be hard. Oh my gosh, you know, um, everywhere you turn, you that's going to take me off my path here. Whereas flow is like, oh, for me, it's if something comes my way, I'm like, okay, I got this. I don't know what it's going to be like. It might be terrible, but I still got it. And I'm very fortunate and grateful because I did have those huge losses to where I have the perspective, you know, among other traumatic events in my life, um, where it really doesn't matter what comes at me because I know my own brain and my own body so well, therefore my emotions and my nervous system, um, that I'm going to face it. So flow is referred to, you know, in modern terms as the deep now. So when you're in flow, your brain waves are between alpha and beta. And to put it simply, you're a combination of subconscious and conscious thought. Beta waves are really fast. And that's when you're super overactive. If you've ever laid in bed and tried to go to bed, but you were overthinking, your brain waves hadn't <laughs> slowed down yet. Yeah, that's pretty much this week. So, <laughs> yep, <laughs> so there I are get techniques that. that I teach people on how to how to improve that um, through routines and uh, breathing techniques like that. Um, but what I really like to mm, correlate flow with is what I call lifestyle design. So this can come in many forms and it can be applied to almost anything from 
you know, the program that you're using that you have to click 10 times instead of three times, but you use it 25 to 50 times a day. If you calculate that up, that's a lot of friction for you to have ease about your work. And over time, let's say you use that program for 10 years, (laughs) it adds up for you and your energy management of, wow, why am I doing this? (laughs) Could this be easier? So flow is a tool for It's a tool for lifestyle design. It's a tool for understanding the body and the mind. And it's a tool for making my life feel more meaningful and satisfying. Right. I want to ask about that a little further because the thing that I've noticed, especially now with the the increase in awareness in, in mental health, is that there is a larger, there's a, there's a more awakened state with regards to uh, the reinforcement of hus- of hustle culture, uh, work-life balance. I tell people all the time that the pandemic opened up a lot of inefficiencies in the workplace, but it also opened up a lot of inefficiencies in our mental workspace. Because I think, um, you know, the, the, across the lines of gender, like especially like in, with male with with males, we we are always taught to compartmentalize our emotions to kind of you know, isolate them and not lean into them as much because obviously it detracts from whatever roles we have. And I've also noticed that, especially now, there's trying to there's trying to be a larger push towards uh, more mental balance for everyone across the board. Do you agree with that statement that people have become now more self-aware of those particular barriers that they're dealing with, whether it's uh, reinforced by their uh, present life or their work or a combination of those factors? Yes. (laughs) Um, I, if you talk to anyone I know, and I say this all the time that I am really against hustle culture. I have always gone at my own pace. I was in drum line. Like I beat my own drum. (laughs) Like I, (laughs) I'm unconventional. I lived in an airstream for five years. I am an essentialist, not a minimalist. Like I am a big dreamer, but I also am able to see the practical side of things, the pragmatic side, which is a really great gift. Um, so what you're talking about is really awareness. So <clears throat> I think time is a huge element in this, in what you're talking about. Um, because people aren't spending as much time, say traveling, the space and the um, effort physically to travel to a job is reallocated in a different way. And some people have really embraced that. Oh my gosh, I've gained half an hour on both ends of my actual workday. What could I do with that? Could I exercise? Could I journal? Could I do this or that for myself? Other people have said, all right, that's an extra hour. I can scroll on social media (laughs) or I can do the hustle thing. Right. And what I'm saying is that if you really, really want to move yourself forward and you're clear about your goals, then the balance of understanding what is sustainable for you is super important. And you got to check in because that changes a lot. It changes with the landscape as we're talking about the landscape of awareness of the self in regards to your well-being versus tying it to your productivity 
is what we're really essentially talking about. It's a it's a very unique and and sometimes very slippery slope where you you mentioned something very very crucial and that's time obviously time is ever moving and we you know you can't get i always tell people you can get back a dollar but you can't get back an hour and the thing about it is especially now being home some of us whether we're working or not working or we're trying to start these pet projects we're always it's almost like we're staring at a clock constantly and trying to fight the clock to get everything we need to get done, done. And I think that that's a gift and a curse for many of us because everybody's looking at it. Like you said, Oh, I got an extra 30 minutes on the back end. And it's like, Oh, let me scroll longer on Facebook instead of taking that, that energy, as you said, and putting it towards something just a little more constructive. I mean, if you have a family, then you should really, you should put those 30 minutes to the fam- to your family or. To go one step further, put those 30 minutes into yourself, go for a walk, go for some quiet reflection, clear your, clear your mind of everything that's usually bogging it down for those 30 minutes. Am I right? Yeah. So I want to talk about this a little more because time, (laughs) time is different when you're in flow. And if you talk to a lot of uh, people who are interested in the subject, they'll say, when I'm playing my instrument, I don't realize how much time has passed. Or minutes can seem like hours and hours can seem like minutes. It's modulated. So what's happening in your brain when you're in flow? And it's important to really learn what your high flow activities are, (laughs) first of all. And that comes over time. But when you're in flow, you're actually using less of your brain. In the prefrontal cortex, your brain slows down. So in flow, the area that defines time and logic and fear. Um, ego, it's quiet. So when you're engrossed in something in flow, you're not thinking, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? You're thinking, this is awesome. I'm doing the thing. This is great. Like, I don't even know what time it is. Now, when you come out of flow, you'll start looking at the clock. You'll either make mistakes or you'll realize, oh, I have to use a bathroom. <laughs> um, hmm, I'm hungry. So that's a sign that you're coming out of flow. And I'm really glad that you mentioned the time aspect because when I was going through grieving process, I mean, it's a lifelong process, but Mm -hmm. right after losing my dad, I really had to be careful of about time in respect to how do I maintain my business at a minimal level, not completely just close up shop, but also respect the process that I'm going and leaning on flow activities is really good for me for several reasons. One is this element that we're talking about time. So when you experience a experience a trauma or a loss, or let's even just say like a transition and leaving a job, going to a different one, life changes, time, your, your relationship to time is going to adapt. Agreed. A lot of resistance comes when we try to keep it the same. <laughs> so if I had said during the grieving process, which you had asked, did you lean into work more? If I had leaned into work more, then the problem of not addressing the energy of emotion in myself would have manifested possibly in very unhealthy ways if I didn't address it right then. And that's really uh, you know, it's a practical way to see my life. 
do I want to go ahead and deal with as much as I can as soon after the event and really understand myself? Or do I want to cover it up? And I say that if you cover it up, you're really not respecting yourself and the time that you're in right now. So a lot of us, you know, in, well, I will say I'm not in that, that uh, culture, but a lot of people in hustle culture, they're really focused on the do, 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 because they want to fast forward to the have, 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 have. Yep. And my ultimate, you know, question is, if you die tomorrow, are you happy with your life and what you do day to day? Agreed. If you're on your way to your goals with those day-to-day things, but you haven't accomplished what you want yet, that's totally okay. But are you on your way? I always tell people I like to leave the room better than when I entered it. And I kind of view life the same way because at the end of the day, and, and I'm just playing off of your energy, so to speak, it's the fact that so many people are, they're, they're trying to run this race to be uh, you know, I want to be the next Steve Jobs, the next J- uh, Jeff Bezos or or whatever it is. And the thing about it is that they're running that race to please a bunch of external forces instead of running that race to please the most important the internal force themselves. Do yes. you agree? Oh, totally. The internal is so important. And, you know, I feel like when you differentiate self-care or self-confidence or self-concept with selfishness, there's a big distinction. Usually selfish people act in certain ways and say certain things and do certain things because there's something missing from their life. There's an imbalance inside of them. But when you balance that out inside of yourself, most people who are very confident and have a great self-concept and are always working and giving that time for themselves, they are really able to impact people in such positive ways. So make that distinction for yourself. Um, And it may take some rewiring for you to shift your paradigm of what you've been told is selfish. So a lot of parents think taking time for themselves is selfish when really if they did that no matter how small the amount of time they'd be able to show up more authentic (laughs) authentically um and 100 percent for their child so with that said um and and i want to i want to kind of use that to 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 open this up a little further it's who needs a flow coach ah Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I will say I'm a lifestyle designer as well. So flow goes hand in hand with lifestyle design. So we're talking about, let's say, someone who, let's use an example of someone who's hustling, right? And they um, neglect their sleep, right? Guilty. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> Are you seen? Um, yes, ma'am. So, so let's say you're neglecting your sleep, mm-hmm. and I'm going to throw this this stat out here real quick from the Flow Research Collective, um, which is who I study with. Um, that being chronically underslept is like going to work every day 
but having had five beers. That's what your brain is running on if you're chronically underslept. Wow. So how, yeah, how well can you function? Do you really want to show up like that? If you had an employee and they were showing up like that, you'd be like, oh, hell no. <laughs> you go home and sleep. Yep. Sleep it off. Right? No more of that for you. That's the same, you know, way that your brain is reacting to that lack of sleep. And so that's, you know, just one of the million reasons where I'm like, no, no, no. Hustle culture is is very different from having a clear drive and ambition, but knowing when your body is out of coherence, whether that's your emotions, your mental capacity or physical, um, and when you're in line and you're able to perform and show up the way you want so that ultimately, if you were to pass on tomorrow, you'd be satisfied versus like having regrets, right? So if, if someone is this person, this, you know, avatar we're talking about is not sleeping well, but they're not willing to give the attention to that, they're going to repeat the same patterns. Um, their nervous system is going to be fried. Their adrenal glands maybe, you know, are going to be overworked. Um, and they're going to make mistakes. They're going to be um, possibly like grumpy with customers, right? <laughs> um, so there's research with having um, HRV that's low, which is heart rate variability. And that is the distance between each heartbeat. So it's not your heart rate, it's the distance between each heartbeat. And when that is consistent, you are able to handle stress well. You are more resilient. When HRV is low, you can have slurred speech. <laughs> you can also make poor decisions. That has now been researched. And I find that fascinating. <laughs> Well, I think one of the biggest things with that and, and to, to add to it is the fact that so many, so many people, and I mean, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll be transparent. Like I feel more productive at night. So for me personally, it's, you know, the rigors of my day. And then it's like, Oh, you know, my, I, we put my daughter down for bed and I'm like, all right, I got from, I'll give an example. I have from midnight to, I don't know, 3 a.m. And I'll go, I'll get dressed, hop in the car, go to the gym, get a workout in, come home, have post-workout meal, sit down, get some content together for the day, get pitches for podcasts, edit podcasts, whatever the case may be. So I'm outlining my process for, for the world and for you because a lot of people will look at that and say, well, why don't you do it during the day or whatever the case may be. And I want to take a lot of what you're, you're sharing with us and break it down. Where, where do you fall when you have to kind of compartmentalize that and you're trying to get people to kind of be more aware of, uh, HRV, be more aware of, of how they're progressing through the day? And how does that all correlate into? what you consider the baseline for, for us, for a flow candidate. Okay. So one aspect is knowing yourself, which 
you have um, stated that your productivity increases in the evening. And this is true for a lot of creative people. But we can't ignore circadian rhythms. We can't ignore when melatonin is produced. And if you're exposed to blue light or even just sunlight or lights at night, what it does is it suppresses melatonin production. Mm -hmm. So in your example, as an outsider, what I see with you placing the workout before the actual work is that you're actually revving up your body so that you can have adrenaline and possibly a little bit of cortisol to like give you that good stress of the workout Mm. to reawaken yourself to then do the work. And then your sleep cycle is interrupted. The melatonin, you know, is suppressed because you're doing the work when your body usually would want complete darkness. Um, I and I say your body right. as in the, the human body no, of course. evolved. Right? So in, in modern technology, we've sort of really messed with the body with not following natural light. So we've had light bulbs for how long yeah. <laughs> inside houses, right? So it's not, um, it's not like you've got to change your whole life, but I would do some rearranging for yourself and actually have some time limits as well. So if you find yourself um, really enjoying the process of that content creation and that organizing at night, Mm. I would actually put it first um, versus going to the gym. And that may mean that you would have to do it a less amount of time. Okay. Just from the outsider's perspective, you may actually be trying to jumpstart your energy levels by working out first. Huh. I never looked at it that way. And, you, you, and, 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 you know, the reason is because it's like, um, you know, I have, I have my daughter, she's at school. I have, you know, I've been where I was working from home. Now I'm not. So I kind of been, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Mr. Mom when I'm home. So the thing about it is, it's like by the time, to your point, I look at how the day progresses and it's like, okay, I'm going to wake up, you know, drive my wife to work with uh, using this week as an example, drive her to work on the way home, stop, go downstairs, uh, give my grandmother her medication, whatever the case may be. Then I'll sit down and I'm like, okay, we're going to record a podcast. We're going to do five posts, three Instagram posts, whatever the case may be. So by that point, let's say by two o'clock, I'm like, all right, I got to go get the baby from school, come home cycle continues with that said and i'm using myself because i'm sure there are people that can relate to certain facets of my life whether it's picking their kid up from school or whatever the case may be once once you're moving those things around where do you feel becomes the breakdown where so many people that rearrange these facets of their life start to stumble stumble would be not committing to the change for a certain amount of time. Okay. So a lot of people kind of give up after, I don't know, a week. And it is hard when you rearrange your life. It's very hard. But if you can have the discipline 
to just get through a certain amount of time, whatever time period feels good to you. But really, if you look deep down in yourself and you're like, okay, that was not an honest try, (laughs) Um, then figure out what that number is and commit to it and start to notice whether your emotions change. So let's say in this example, in the middle of the day, I noticed that there's no, um, well, maybe you just didn't say it, but there's not really a time where you're having fun. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, you know, it's funny because a lot of people and and again, just I, I like to be transparent so people understand, you know, a lot of my my friends after my daughter was born, they're like, man, you still play video games, you still stay up late, you know, you still do whatever it is. And I'm like, yeah, you know, because having kids doesn't mean you die as a person, you know, because I think a lot of people, <laughs> they create that stigma where it's like, oh, I've had. I'm a dad, I'm a mom, my life is over, et cetera. And I tell them, I'm like, listen, you know, like if I want to watch cartoons, I watch cartoons with my kid. If I want to play a video game, you know, I'll play a video game while she naps. But what I've noticed personally is that as time goes on, it's like, "Ah, I haven't turned on the Xbox in a couple of weeks. And then it's like, Mm. you you kind of start compartmentalizing. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. You start filling in your fun times with the stuff you have to do as a grown up, meaning, <laughs> oh, I gotta, I gotta paint this room today. Oh, I gotta do laundry. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so with, with that said, and I'm sharing this with you because I'm curious when that happens, like, where do people, where do people try to find, I guess, the joy in the grown up stuff? Because I've noticed that a lot lately. I've seen a lot of people share like different memes, like, oh man, I remember, you know, going to bed at four because going to bed at four was fun. Now, if I go to bed at four, <laughs> this is how I look the next morning. And it'll be like a picture of like a, like a cat all beat up or something ridiculous. And th- I wanted to ask you about that because like I said, I'm sure that there are people dealing with these different aspects currently, whether for their own business or because it's self-inflicted and they're trying to um, force, force the fun. Like, oh, well, this is the only time I have to play video games. So I'll just play it until 5 a.m. Yeah, this is a really, really good example. And I'm, I'm so glad that you shared what's going on in your life because there are so many people out there facing the same thing, whether they have kids or not. Yep. Their routines and their normal structure because of the way the world is right now is just upside down. And that's, I think, you know, it's not a good thing for the state of the world, but it is a good thing for the state of awareness. Mm. So we're able to be closer to and more aware of ourselves because we have to sit with ourselves more. Yep. Right. <laughs> and when you can do that and really mm, welcome that process, because it doesn't happen overnight, then you start to get to the nitty gritty of what life is all about. And I think going back to what you were saying earlier, there's a lot of masking. There's a lot of escapism. And um, that's also part of what flow is about, like having clarity of how you actually want to live your life and spend your time and then incorporate these biometrics, sleep hygiene, things like that. So um, I want to go back to also 
the reason I asked about fun, because a lot of people treat their day as if they're a puppy waiting for a treat. So (laughs) I don't get to do this fun thing until my work is done. Right. Right. And what that does is it really starves the brain of serotonin. Um, There's plenty of dopamine out there. Like every time you look at your phone, you get a dopamine hit, which I'm not a fan of. Um, I'm more about the bigger uh, amounts of dopamine. And those happen during flow, the serotonin as well. So in flow, there's four stages of the flow cycle. The first is struggle. The second is release. The third is flow. And the fourth is recovery. Now, if you look at that, it makes sense. But most people skip right over recovery and they go straight back into hustling. Mm -hmm. And long term, when you do that, your productivity goes way down. Um, Your emotional well-being. Well, no, I was going to say, you know, a lot of that also is old school conditioning, meaning I know a lot of people, um, you know, they watch their parents just work and work and work and work. And then their parents are now in their sixties and they're like, Oh, we're going to travel. We're going to do whatever because they work, 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 work. And let's say they're 60 and they travel, they might travel once or twice, but now the subject of traveling becomes exhausting because (laughs) they've not, because you've kind of just worked yourself to death. Like, it's it's a very weird pendulum shift where going back to what you were saying about hustle culture, because it's like, I want to try and work my ass off to have as much as I can to do as little as I can with the free time I have left. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and it's and it's and it's crazy because, you know, you you reflect on it like you were saying, there's a lot of self-reflection. And by the time you can really, quote unquote, sit down and take that trip or do that cool thing you wanted to do it becomes such a chore and a burden that you almost talk yourself out of doing it at that point yeah and and to your example of say some of our parents you know that are aging in a way that um (laughs) a physical note would be if you sit at a desk and you don't practice getting up from the floor the mobility in your hips in your balance is not conditioned to be in alignment and harmony with the rest of your body, your knee joints, your ankles, so to speak, that when you fall, it's very dangerous. As we know in American culture, yep. um, we've sat for so long and we've not paid attention. Now there's an awareness of it so much um, to those hip joints. So that's just a physical part, but the conditioning that you're talking about really has been perpetuated by the perception of others. So if you buy in, which I'm very rebellious, (laughs) you buy in to the external perception that I'm supposed to be here by this age. I'm supposed to have stayed at my job this long. I'm supposed to, then you're really not living for you. You're actually living for other people's thoughts and beliefs about you and even expectations. And that's very dangerous. That is super dangerous because like you said, you can feed those expectations while neglecting yourself and mm-hmm. your well-being, get to that point and finally 
get the thing that you worked for and have poor health. Yep. You can have no one to share it with. And, you know, <laughs> it's just not really fun at that point. So to, to, to that end, how do you, uh, how do you recharge? How do you personally um, reconnect to myself? <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Like how do yeah. like how do you how do you reachieve that balance? Because again, I, 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 you know, you have a very disciplined mindset, but like all disciplines, sometimes sometimes we falter a little bit. It happens to the best of us. Huh. I'm curious how you get yourself back on track. Yeah, I love this question, and it's so funny because you know I lived in Nashville, I lived in Austin, I worked at a vinyl factory, I worked in radio. Um, you know, <laughs> it's just like. If you look from people who don't see me as a coach, you'd be like, wow, that is a super artsy person who does whatever they want. And like, they wouldn't necessarily use the word discipline Mm. and organize and things like that. And that's part of my main purpose is to dispel that myth that creative people are messy and, you know. (laughs) <laughs> that sort of aspect of life. I'm like, no, they just are doing things in a way that makes sense for them. Now that can go the other direction. Like you said, the, you use the word pendulum, which I really love. Um, when we're out of balance, that pendulum doesn't have a good rhythm. It's one extreme or the other. Yep. And that can manifest in different ways. Right. So um, recharging for me can be as simple as, um, and this is going to sound funny, but it can be as simple as staring at a wall. Okay. So it's about stimuli. And this is really important to those people who think that scrolling is time off from work or their leisure time, which yes, it can be, but it's not actually recovery. It's an activity that stimulates you most of the time it is very short dopamine bursts whereas in flow you're getting these really long sustained chemicals that you create naturally in your own brain and you're not relying on an outside source so to speak for that so um to recharge it can be as simple as staring at the wall which sounds so crazy but we are overstimulated at this point. Yep. We have never had this much awareness, accessibility, and um, you know, access to other people's thoughts, other people's lives, other people's cultures, religion, politics. Like it's just <laughs> a ton, right? Um, so if you can be disciplined in recognizing when something is unhealthy for you whether it it's you know causing a trigger for you to maybe feel unworthy or not like yourself or um physically tired from the blue light right there's so many people who have their phones in their beds and i'm like no (laughs) get get your phone out of your bed um because it doesn't belong there yep sleeping belongs there right i um, and other fun fun things <laughs> i can i can re i can reinforce that after after my daughter was born and um i said to myself my phone will stay in my office doesn't matter what it is 
My phone will stay in my office. It won't be in my bedroom. If it's an emergency, someone in my house will knock on my door. It's mm-hmm. it was that simple. And I, and I'll be honest, it it became incredibly incredibly helpful. Um, you know, just winding her down at night and and putting her to bed because it's like like you said, like staring at a wall. Like sometimes I just lay there while she's falling asleep and sometimes my wife would nod off and here I am just laying here just hanging out and it's just no oh well while they're sleeping let me look at instagram or let me do this or let me do that like i've i've slowly started to move into that mindset where my ipad my phone everything stays in my office that way it's like if i want to watch anything it'll have to be tv and even tv it's like you know there's nothing stressful about watching the food network (laughs) at at, at, at one o'clock in the morning or or, you know, just watching something amusing. So to that end, I, I am 100% in agreement. Like, unless you need to have it or you don't have any clocks in your room or anything, you don't need your phone in there. Yeah, um, it's it's I would say at this point, especially in younger generations, that it's it is harder for them to it can be harder for them to discern what is an actual recovery activity so versus active recovery versus straight up stimulated mm-hmm. <laughs> um because it's so much part of their culture but also in the time of covid it's like oh we all want this connection right and we're we feel alone a lot of the time even when you're around other people maybe because you can't hug them or you know <laughs> it's just weird right so if you can connect with yourself first and check in with yourself, then the type of connections that you're going to have, whether it's in your business, your personal life, or, you know, relationships or whatever, they're going to be more of quality and longer lasting. And Mm -hmm. that's another pillar of my work is sustainability. So you had asked the question about who is an ideal candidate for flow coaching. and I would say it's someone who has tried a lot of things or maybe not, but they just know that something is off. Something is missing from the way that they feel meaning in their life. And whether it's satisfaction or happiness or frustration, you know, going to the other end, they know that it is possible for them to live the life they want. They're just kind of fuzzy about how how does that happen? And they do not want a quick fix and they do not want a mask. And for me, I didn't go to therapy, which is like crazy to a lot of people after I lost my stepfather and my father. But I knew that for me, there's a big difference between bringing up your past and rehashing traumatic events that can be just as triggering as when they happen and I was really going deep here and saying is that what you want do you really want to talk about that over and over and over and how you got to where you are now or do you want to focus on right now and how are you going to move forward in your life I agree I think I think that's um you know, I went through, I went through a stage after, after my mother died and I was like, 
man, you know, maybe I should go see a, a psychologist or whatever. And a couple, maybe a year ago, uh, a family member of mine contacted me and they were like, Hey, you know, I started seeing a psychologist and I'm like, how's that working for you? You know, out of curiosity. And they were like, oh, it's been great. You know, it's kind of helped me unpack, um, well, not unpack, come to terms with a lot of my emotions and, and a lot of uh, repressed issues. And then I thought about it and I said, oh, that's great. But something that you said stuck out so much, which was, is rehashing everything essential for you to move forward? And it was like just a question that I asked myself internally. I never, I never pursued the answer. But at the time, as I'm hearing the conversation, the person telling me about how good it felt and how freeing it was for them, I'm like, but is it or are you just trading? Are you just trading one master for another? You know, I like that you're bringing this up because um, people process things in different ways, especially grief and grief can come in so many different forms. It could be the loss of a job. (laughs) It could be your pet crossing the rainbow bridge it could be disappointment like you thought you were going to have something and you don't have it so it comes in different formats and um some people talking about it isn't really gonna progress them toward they where they want to go first of all because words just don't even describe how you feel right Unless you're a writer and super learned, there's a limited vocabulary that I found when I was going through the height of my loss. And so that's sort of why I turned to, huh, well, if I don't wait for a serotonin release at the end of my day, because I've produced all these things, what would it be like to introduce play in short bursts? throughout my day what would that look like serotonin wise and how would i feel and now that's really my go-to so after this i'm going to go hiking (laughs) i have a ton of work to do but i know that if i put that as the last priority (laughs) it will not get done yeah and it doesn't honor me as a person I'm totally worth paying attention to for an hour and a half while I hike, because when I come back, I will have the hunger and the drive to do that work. And I will be super focused about it because I do have less time. Right. But on the walk, I'm I'm not working, so to speak. I'm taking in the environment. But there is in your brain. It's kind of running these you know, ideas in your head about the things that you're interested in and passionate about, which could be your business. Right. So you might get in an aha moment while you're out and be like, cool, I can't wait to get back and actually apply this. And I think what people forget is that the more you skip the recovery stage in life, the less quality you will have in your emotions, your productivity and meaning. And that's a good, that's a good way to, to wrap that aspect of our conversation up. I wanted to um, shift gears. Uh, we like to do a, uh, a series of rapid fire questions we call the hot seat. And um, okay. 
kind of helps deconstruct our conversation, but just touches on a couple of things that, you know, are more, um, more casual than some of the deeper stuff we just discussed. Um, I'll start with, I'll start with one that's always interesting to ask many, so many different people. And that's, uh, what did you want to be when you were a kid? (laughs) Um, this is so funny. I actually would always say I want to be a star and my parents would be like, you want to be famous? I'm like, no, no, no. I want to be an actual star, (laughs) which is so funny. But now I can see it as the being a light in darkness and really um, when you think of people who you know and you describe them as lighting up a room or when they're in your presence, they just fill you up. That's sort of what I'm, I'm getting at. And in my work, I'm really fortunate to use the knowledge that I have, the experience I have as an artist and musician, um, to apply to people's lives as a flow coach and support it with, you know, science and experience to where they begin to come back to life knowing that their dreams are possible, but also along the way, they don't have to burn out. That's a, that's a, that's a tremendous explanation. And it's funny because when you said you wanted to be a star, I was, I I was going to answer and I said, oh, she's going to, she's going to drop the hammer. And that's exactly what I was envisioning when you said that just being a beacon to help, to help others, to kind of lead the way for others. And, um, I, I, I feel usually my follow-up questions to that is, you know, what changed or what, what got you to that point? And my, my response to your, to your question is you're kind of where you want it to be. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the road was a long and winding. It was many layers. It was many jobs. I mean, I've worked at a comedy club. I was a flight attendant. I mean, gro- I worked at a grocery store I, and all of that. I don't look back on and say, I should be here. I should have done this. I should Mm. have stayed. Like what I always say to my clients, don't should all over yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because yes, it happened, but we're here right now. What are we going to do about now? And what do we want going forward? Agreed. That's the ultimate question every day. Um. I, I noticed in, in our research, you mentioned you are a cellist, which leads me to my next question. Why the cello? Oh, man. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll do an experiment. When you hear the cello, what do you feel? Um, strength. There's a, very, there's a very strong presence for that instrument. I, I was always yeah. a... I was always, when I was a kid, I used to always want to learn the violin. And, um, you know, my mom, I don't remember why she thought that I would want to learn to play drums and I, uh, I hated it. And she was like, I paid this money for you to get these drum lessons. I'm like, don't like it. And, um, never bothered learning the drums, but I've always had a fascination and an appreciation for the violin because I always felt that you can the 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 music that it creates can be very subtle but it can also be very powerful okay awesome so i started out on the violin and it was <clears throat> it was too high it was too small 
I have like major basketball hands. <laughs> um, so I heard the cello. Someone came in that was a friend of a friend into our little strings class. I grew up in rural North Carolina and it was a big deal to see a cello around those parts. Um, <clears throat> so she came in, she played and immediately I was like, Oh my <laughs> gosh, that is my instrument. I want it, you know, and my parents, you know, they were so sweet and said, okay, if you want to do this, it was a big expense. I play that cello to this day, 27 years later. Wow. Um, so it is my instrument and I'll tell you why it feels so good for me is that, um, there's really three points of contact when you play the cello. So it's an actual whole body experience. Yep. There's your hand on the neck. There's the body on your actual chest, your legs around. So I guess there's four, your legs around the instrument to hold it. And then the bow vibration as you move it with your right hand. So it's a very full body experience. I've just, I knew it was my first love and it still is my first, <laughs> my first love. Um, so yeah, uh, that's why I play the cello. Awesome. I know that we, we talked a lot about it. Well, we talked about uh, blue light and um, dopamine hits, but uh, it's a question I ask and I'm always curious. And especially in, in your case, what are three mobile apps you can't live without? Mm, mobile apps. All right. So I have Iris Mini, which is a blue light blocking app. You can use it on your phone and your desktop. Um, I just really like that one. It's got different modes that are um, I haven't seen on other apps. Um, okay. So it's worth experimenting with. Um, let's see. I had thought about devices and not actual apps, but um, I am wearing a device that has a really great app. Should I um, talk about that? Yeah, please. Okay, so I have a focus tracker called Foci, and um, what it does, it, it only works when you're sitting, which a lot of entrepreneurs sit, you know, mm. as they work, um, but it monitors breathing patterns. You clip it to your belt and or your pants, um, and it faces inward toward your stomach. So it monitors your breathing patterns and can actually sense when you're more focused and when you're distracted and also huh. when you're calm or fatigued. Wow. Yeah. That's so, a, that's pretty awesome. So that's really good for me kind of um, using it, first of all, to get a gauge of hmm, how much time am I actually in flow? Now, it doesn't work when you're standing. So when I go hiking, it's not going to be monitoring that time, but I guarantee I'll be in flow. Um, so I can get a handle on how much time doing sort of business e stuff um, that I'm in flow. Or I can look and see, hmm, these times of the day, you seem to not get into flow very often. Or by this time in the day, as you were talking about your schedule, by this time, I'm totally wiped and I really shouldn't try to be doing anything cognitive past, you know, let's say 830. Right. Um, so it's it's really cool. Um, they have, I think, like the second generation out. I backed it on Kickstarter a long time ago. 
And I've been really impressed. Um, I'll give one short example. I worked the um, presidential election in 2020, the height of COVID. And um, I'm, I'm an election officer where I am. So I'm the person that takes your ID and is like, make sure you're registered and, you know, you move on. Right. But um, you can imagine how tense that day was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's usually, <laughs> <laughs> it's usually a 19-hour day. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when people are like, oh, you get paid. I'm like, ah, <laughs> let's let's do some math here. Um, <laughs> so I, you're not allowed to have your phone, at least at my polling place. And so the phone was in the other room. I wore my focus tracker and I had to deal with some pretty grumpy people, let's say. Irate is a better word. Um, maybe they didn't register on time or whatever. But um, all day, I took one break to go to the room to check my phone. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't think anything of it, turned it back off, worked the rest of my 19-hour day. And when everything was done and I, I went home, I looked at the focus tracker and the only time I was super stressed the whole day was looking at was when I checked my phone. Uh huh. (laughs) So it, it just sort of really (laughs) reinforced a lot of, you know, what I coach people on. Right. Also that discipline. That's a, that's wild. And, um, and, and also very alarming. That it takes that such a small device that originally was just oh a method of communication. Call me on my phone. Now you're just like, oh God, why am I looking at this thing? Yeah. And the the hustle and the, the culture of expecting people to be readily available all the time is so unrealistic. Oh, it's and I'm terrible. Glad that people are are really going against that now. And I hope that continues. Oh yeah. I mean, but before when I was finally beginning to work from home from my day job, I remember they were, oh, you know, we're going to give you a company phone. And I said, okay, cool. Because they wanted originally to, you know, uh, use my cell phone. And they're like, oh, we'll credit your bill. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want a completely separate device that I can shut off at the end of the day. And, Mm. you know, they gave me the device. And I remember, you know, I used to, I used to have a a pretty um, uh, relaxed schedule, so to speak. So I remember it's like, oh, it's about six, six 30. I'm like, all right, I'm going to shut off my phone and that's it. And I remember the next day someone's like, oh, you know, I tried to call you around, around six 45. Um, was your phone off? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, well, you know, uh, you don't keep your phone on. Why should I? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. my response was I'm an hourly employee, not a salaried employee. And then later on they moved me to salary, but I'm like, my working hours are X to X. That's where it begins. That's where it ends. And they were like, oh, and it took to, to, to your point that as we were discussing before, it took maybe like three months of me not answering the phone for people to finally get like, oh, you know, he doesn't answer the phone after six. And, um, it was just interesting because to your point, it's like, as soon as the phone would ring, I'd get exactly that. I'd get annoyed. Like, oh, what do they want? It's, it's like five after, you know? So now it was like, I just shut it off and that was it. And then I had to just train everybody else to kind of accept that. I love that you use the word train because if you don't place your, your um, habits and livelihood and 
what's going to keep you healthy, mm-hmm. whether mentally or physically, you don't place that as a priority. People will walk all over you, as you know, yep. um, in, in maybe customers being like, why aren't you answering me? Um, I'm a human being, right? <laughs> but I don't want to answer you in a reactive state. Nope. You know, and if I compromise my health, it will be reactive. You know, mm-hmm. it's very hard to get yourself really calm if your nervous system, and this plays into the HRV and the sleep, is out of line, you know. Um, but yeah, that's also like the external perception. Oh, I need to be available. No, you don't. Nope. <laughs> Unless you're a brain surgeon or a EMT or a firefighter or. <laughs> oh, man. Know, I got into, you'll get a good laugh out of this. I got into trouble. I remember once my boss was like, I forgot what it was. And I remember I'm like, listen, man, we don't cure cancer here. <laughs> and, yeah. and it just came out and he's like, uh, you're right. We don't. I'm like, yeah, exactly. The world won't end because the phone wasn't answered at, at six Oh five for something that could have yeah. been, that can be discussed at nine Oh five the next day. The and next it just, day. yep. And it just, it just came out, but it's, it's funny how you, how you put it in that. And it just brought back that memory very, very quickly. Yeah. I love that. It's having boundaries first with yourself, which I would translate to the word discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the boundaries with the external world and you use the word train. When you hold fast in, in your integrity, which includes your boundaries, then the world will adapt because they know they won't get the result or the um you know performance that they wanted you for in the first place <laughs> yeah i mean uh fellow underdog john uh john small mountain he uh he was one of the guests and he was saying about when he's in kung fu class and people know not to call him during x time to x time and i said yep that's how it's got to be like you have to you have to tie down those non-negotiables which actually leads me into did you well first off did you have a third uh app you wanted to share yes um i would say for people who are like what's this hrv thing all about um the simplest best app that you could get right now is called hrv for the number four training and you can find that hrv the number four training.com okay i'm not paid by them or anything but this is super simple. You take your HRV reading, which takes one minute out of your day, and it tracks how your nervous system is functioning. HRV is an indicator of what's called vagal tone. And the vagus nerve is what that is. It's connected to your brainstem all the way down to your gut. So it wraps around several major organs, including your vocal cords. And um, it indicates your overall um, health of your nervous system. So to me, it is the best one minute spent every single day for you. If your HRV is low, you can adapt your day, maybe take out one of the meetings or do some breathing exercise before a stressful meeting. Um, If your HRV is high, you go for it. You do all the things that are going to um, wear you out or where, you know, there are challenges, right? Right. What's uh, going back to what I, the, the next question, which is what's a non-negotiable for you, whether personally or in business? 
That is a really good question because I have a lot of them. <laughs> um, sleep. Okay. Sleep is non-negotiable. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get the best me if my sleep is suffering in any area of life. And I don't want to feel not 100%. So paying attention to that is my number one priority. How many hours of, of sleep do you do you aim for? I do aim for eight. Um, I don't always get eight. Sometimes I get nine. Um, it really depends. And your sleep is going to fluctuate based on the stresses of your life, but also yep. your routine. Like we're talking about blue light. Um, but overall, just making it a priority will improve it. And by the way, sleep is the biggest factor in the health of bagel tone, which would be your HRV scores. Man, now I got to go and get this app. I'm sure it's going to be like <laughs> tilt, 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 like a pinball machine. <laughs> um, um, go can ahead. I, can I add a note there? Yeah, please. Um, so I recently did an overview on YouTube of me looking at my HRV data over the past two years, which includes right after losing two people in my life in 2019. So, um, I correlated that data with the events of my life and my personal energy. And then I made a decision on how I was going to coach this year. What is my schedule? Wow. When am I taking time off for recovery? And Oh, definitely going to want to share that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's, it's funny because when I did that, I hadn't looked at the data before. I was intuitively making this schedule then when i looked at the data i was like oh <laughs> this lines up exactly <laughs> how i thought and wanted to arrange my life while still making a living to where my well-being was placed at the top of the priority the rest i will figure out whether it's raising prices getting more clients or figuring out what is best for me long term not just this year but maybe the next five years, I give this schedule a try if the first year goes well. What's the last book you read? Mm. Well, I read really slowly. And so it takes me forever to, <laughs> to read books. But I'm currently reading a book called Smart Moves. I don't have the author right now, but this person, um, focused on child development and learning okay and really breaks down these physical exercises that helped each student depending on what their cognitive you know ability was and how much it improved but what i like about this book if you're not really into you know kids or that's not your area it doesn't matter because the book really goes into how we learn and how the physical aspects of how we move can improve how we learn. And that is fascinating. Huh? All right. We'll definitely look that up and share it, share it with our audience. Um, what's something you've changed your mind on in the last 12 months? 12 months. Oh, I've changed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Hmm. I would say I've changed my mind or maybe it's come to the realization. Acceptance would be a good word. That everyone is on their own timeline and therefore my expectations of myself can always be in the realm of that align with my values and my integrity. But that there's so many timelines. There's so many people who are um, adjusting and dealing with their own work and inner work as well. That when I kind of had an old model before COVID of like, let's meet up, let's do this, let's do that. And it kind of dropped off. I had a little bit of a rub and I had to go inside and say, why do you feel triggered or like, why do you feel this absence of connection when everyone is dealing with something they've never dealt with before, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so how can you show up in integrity with who you've always been? And if who you've always been is someone you're happy with then continue. But if you're not, then what do you change? And what I, what I changed my mind about is whether or not someone replies to me or, you know, acknowledges my, um, my gift of connecting with them doesn't really matter Mm. because I remain in the integrity of loving them unconditionally, whether they reply or not. Right. Isn't really any of my business. So if you're doing it for a reply, there's something going on there. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) You know, you want the pat on the head. Yeah. You really, you do want to connect. And I'm not saying, I'm not negating connection because that's very important, especially right now. Right. But if your motivation for it is a response um, and you're expecting it on a timeline, (laughs) you got to throw that out the window. They're going to respond when they want to. And maybe you reach out to them 10 times and they respond the 11th time, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. So it's, it's remaining in integrity with who you want to be and how you want to show up. That's a, that is a, a brilliant, brilliant answer. Um, what's something you purchased recently that's less than $100 that made your life easier or just more enjoyable? Oh, easier or more enjoyable. My tech is expensive. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of what I have that's less than $100. What have I bought recently? I'm also an essentialist, so I kind of don't buy a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it could be anything. Everybody's definition is, huh. is, is, is definitely varied. I got it. I got it. All right. Shoot. So I am, I'm almost six foot tall. So, um, I, I have had in the past lots of posture problems. And as an entrepreneur, you can really get, you know, far, really far forward with your chin as you work. So you, yep. you got to catch that, right? Mm-hmm. And you can start to notice, ooh, I'm stiff. Um, ooh, I hurt. So, um, I got a posture trainer. <laughs> All right. And, I swear it's, it's beeping out cuss words in like Morse code because it buzzes so much. Oh man. (laughs) But yeah, it has been very helpful. It's, it's a physical reminder that my body is important 
in every aspect. So I'm training it and I'm learning a lot about myself and my work habits. Obviously with, with our discussions of tech and, and things, obviously some toys have to come into the equation. What was your favorite toy or collectible from your childhood? Hmm. Okay. So <laughs> I had a, um, a British toy that was called, I think lights alive. And, um, it was this little toy that had a light that shined through like a screen. And this is, I think the British version, mobile version of like light, right? I don't know. If okay. You remember those. Yeah. I do remember light, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and so this one had the screen in front and you would just take this little like pen and you would punch these bubbles down and the light would shine through. And then the cool part, it's sort of like light bright etch a sketch, if you will. You would push the screen up and it would push all the bubbles back. And I just thought, oh, this is amazing. <laughs> Man, that's uh it's it's interesting when when I ask people about their toys and stuff because the answers I get are always especially if they've had like a like a varied childhood in, in other words there was like immersion in different areas or just different parts of the country and the fact that you mentioned that and of course you attribute it to something like light bright it, it's it's just crazy like to hear like those references i think par- partially because there's a there's a part of me that's dating myself because like <laughs> you know i go and i see like something that they call like Oh, transforming stickers. And I'm like, it's color forms, guys. Like, this isn't new. <laughs> so like to hear that and then you're like, yeah, it's like light bright. And it's, it's crazy because, you know, my daughter, she's three. So I have a lot of toys in my office, just stuff from my childhood and stuff. I've kind of been downsizing and selling on eBay and she'll come in and she'll pick up like a, like a toy of like He-Man and it'll be the, she'll, she'll just stare at it for hours. Like it's the, like, like she found, like she like like she found something historic like a fossil i'm like it it it's just so crazy to me like like in the, in the episodes you know the almost 60 episodes with this podcast like the stuff that we've had and and our connections to them and that's a that it's not every day i hear somebody uh drop a light bright reference so that's pretty cool i think that's what's funny is as you're talking about it you were kind of as you said dating yourself um it's going back to like how overstimulated we are. Mm-hmm. I love the simplicity of, of really old school tool uh, toys and tools Yep. Um, because it really forces you to use them or find ways for you to enjoy them versus like, Oh, I'll just get another one. Oh, I'll just download another game. Yep. And that aspect of play in learning is super important in the way of having a risk that is manageable. And I really, really encourage play without technology or learning, but also for adults. Mm. So dance parties is a really good example for yourself to have a little bit of play in your day. And that break that we talked about for you without waiting till the end of the day to get that um, serotonin or, or sustained dopamine in your day i that's the biggest thing that i can recommend to people is find ways to play more nice if i call you a year from now and i go anna what's going on with your business what do you hope to answer 
Okay. Um, I'm working on a flow course for creative people and just, it will be similar to what we've talked about today. It's like applying flow to the creative person's life. So very concrete examples for, let's say, how they can set themselves up to go into flow when they practice their instrument or um, go to paint or whatever. Um, a year from now, oof, I hope I will be able to impact a lot more people because I've gotten better at putting out content and um, attracted the right people who want this type of change in their life. But eventually, I would like to design a movement course where I explain and work with a neuroscientist that I study with um, of how the brain is reacting to those movements, but also how those movements play into the longevity of artists and musicians. All right. That's, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. (laughs) All right. Uh, the last part of our conversation, I like to call reach one, teach one. It's usually just a piece of action, last piece of actionable advice we frame for different audiences. And usually I tailor it different for every guest, but in your case, given your, your unique background and, and the, the amazing conversation we've had, I'm going to give you a, a, a different approach to this question. You're chosen to speak in front of a group of high school seniors and college freshmen who are entrepreneurs. What's one piece of actionable advice you'd give them, whether they're looking to go into the workforce or start their own business? Well, having just one is so hard. Um, <laughs> I think at that age, there is possibly a, a slipping of, of sleep patterns mm-hmm. um, because of the pressure to perform. And um, that would be what I would say is really place the sleep as a priority because you won't perform long-term if you don't have that. It doesn't matter where you go, what you do, what business you start, what university you go to, that sleep is going to be crucial. Um, and at that point, they're, some of their brains haven't you know, fully <laughs> developed yet. Right. So um, that's, that's a critical time in, in sleep just have some benefits so that would be it's not a exciting answer but it would be the nope. answer that um i would definitely say my advice is to always prioritize your sleep no i think i think that it's it's the right answer because going back to our conversation for the for the last almost uh 90 minutes it's the fact that these are the things that we know we should be doing but we shortcut around for the sake of the bigger goal so you know to to what you to to elaborate even further on what you said it's the 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 high school senior that's oh i gotta study i gotta do this i gotta do that i gotta get ready for this oh you know i can sleep five hours here i'll make it up on the weekend the 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 making it up on the weekend eventually catches up with you i agree totally the quality of life that you want is going to be skyrocketed once you prioritize sleep. There you go. Last but not least, of course, where can people find you, your work, and just keep up with you and what you're, what you're up to? Oh, um, that would be heartbeathive.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram. 
same handle, Heartbeat Hive. And then my YouTube channel. I think I'm the only Anna Fitzgerald that really has a lot of subscribers. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you search Heartbeat Hive on YouTube as well, you'll find me. There's just nobody who has that name. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about the future and, and people finding me. Please reach out. If you have any questions, I totally answer my DMs. Like, this isn't a big corporation. This is like me, you know? So <laughs> yep. please, please reach out to me. And I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to sit down and chat with you and share the toys and tech of your trade. Thank you. Man, what an awesome conversation with Anna. I continue to be blown away by the amazing folks that we get to sit down and talk with every two weeks on toys and tech of the trade, whether it's people that are starting their journeys or people that have been on their journeys for years or people that are just doing some unconventional things that I personally am not familiar with. I, I enjoy the fact that I continue to learn and be educated along the way and learn about uh, things such as a flow coach and how working with a coach like that allows you to just be um, a better performer, a better leader, whatever the case may be. Uh, Anna really shed a lot of light on so many things and so many, uh, I don't want to say mental inefficiencies because that would be, that would be, uh, overcomplicating things, but just, um, things that I definitely feel, uh, I should work on to just be better overall as a, as an entrepreneur and as a leader. And I thought that that was just something incredibly valuable. And I hope those of you that listened to our conversation got value from it as well. And if you are, Looking to connect with Anna, definitely check out all the links in the show notes for this episode, uh, including all of the products we discussed, as well as ways that you can connect with Anna and she can help you uh, be a, just a, a better human. <laughs> that's the that's the short version of that. Nonetheless, as always, full disclosure, some of the things may contain affiliate links, which if you click, we will receive a small commission, which, of course, goes towards helping uh, grow RageWorks, grow the podcast, you know, all that fun stuff. So please feel free to use those links. It helps us out, and we truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, to wrap things up, a uh, couple of calls to action. As always, make sure to follow us on social media. If you want to keep up with us, you guys know the deal. Uh, links for it will be in the show notes for this episode. Uh, last but not least, I'm not going to ask you folks to review the podcast, because if you like it, you're going to do it. If you don't, you don't, but I will say this, that, um, in addition to Apple podcasts, having a review functionality, Spotify now has one as well. So if you are, uh, giving any thought to it, by all means, feel free to do it, whether it's on Spotify or Apple podcasts, no pressure, not necessary, but we appreciate it. And if, if you do happen to leave one, we always like to just, you know, do show and tell, share it on air. Uh, it's, it's always pretty cool to do. Um, I was, uh, really against, uh, though, not doing those calls to action. I was really against it, uh, just because you never know who's a new listener, but everyone's kind of well-versed at this point in what's going on. And I kind of feel that it's just, uh, additional repetition. That's not necessary. Everything, like I said, uh, relating to the RageWorks brand links, ways to connect, et cetera are in the show notes for this episode. But I will say this, if you are interested in being a guest on a future episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade, 
You can email me rich at rageworks.net. You can also check out the form on the Rageworks Podcast Network site, which you can fill out. And whether it's for my podcast or any of the other ones on the network, you can reach out if you are interested in being a guest. And a few people have asked, and I will reiterate it. Uh, we are always looking to add amazing, talented, and creative people to the Rageworks family. So whether you have a podcast or you have an idea for a podcast, don't know where to begin, uh, definitely hit us up, shoot me an email. Like I said, rich at rageworks.net. Uh, we can discuss it. Uh, if you want to bring your show on board and just step away from all of that heavy lifting, you know, setting it up on iTunes, editing, etc. Uh, we do all of that for all of our shows. Um, I handle pretty much all of the editing myself, uh, all of the quality control, etc. Do some of the social for some of the other shows just to help get the word out. But again, take away all of the heavy lifting and simplify it so that you can double down on what is most important. And that is your content and your message. So if you're interested in having a cool group of folks to work with, Hit us up. Like I said, Rageworks Podcast Network is always looking to partner with amazing, talented, and unique creators. I think that's going to sum things up, and uh, it's a great way to close things out. So I will see you folks in two weeks with a brand new episode of Toys and Tech of the Trade. Thank you, folks, for listening. As always, we truly appreciate your support, and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.
Toys and Tech of the Trade is part of the Rageworks Podcast Network, your source for rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. Visit us at RageworksNetwork.com.